Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey everybody, Richard Bliss Brook here for yet another edition of Network Marketing Global Influencers. Global Influencers, and today we have none other right here on the island of Lanai than Jordan Kemper from Tampa, Florida. He and Kristen are here vacationing, so we grabbed them from the Four Seasons and we brought them over here to the house and we're going to lay down some extraordinary content and we're going to talk all about his brand new book, The Red Key Revolution. And this book is going viral. If you check it out on Amazon or check it out on his website, you'll read the reviews or you'll read what it's all about. Jordan is already flying all over the world talking about the content of this book. And of course, the story that gets everyone's attention, what is the red key all about, is if you can believe it, this guy has so much conviction and so much commitment and so much integrity around his philosophy that he saved himself for Kristen until the age of 31. And... You know, I don't tend to compare myself to people, but I'm trying to imagine that. <laughs> oh my God, that's like, I don't know how you, well, I guess we're going to find out how he did that because I, I can't even imagine it. Jordan Kemper is, uh, he passed on med school, like, you know, after Wheaton College, he was headed right to med school, big career as a doctor, healing people, and then he got maybe a little distracted uh, and maybe found his uh, true bliss in entrepreneurism and found a business opportunity where maybe he could help people's health a lot more than being a doctor and went out and crushed it yep. globally in that business opportunity and network marketing. And now he's all over the world and in every kind of business, network marketing and anybody that's got a culture and it's got a business and got staff and got team and wants to do better and be better. He's out talking about the Red Key Revolution, which he just released this past spring. So, buddy, welcome to Lanai. Yes. Thank you for being here. And all right, I got to ask the first question is, uh, what's the whole Red Key about? Yeah. And how did you pull that off? Yeah, so that's obviously the genesis of the book. Um, I was 13 years old. It was a Wednesday night. Uh, the youth pastor at my church, there was probably 250 of us, and uh, he gave this really impactful message about sexual purity. 
And for whatever reason, I was touched by what he shared. He talked about kind of the long-term uh, benefits of that decision. I mean, I'm a 13-year-old boy at the time, hormones raging. Um, but for whatever reason, I liked the challenge that he gave to us. And as a tangible reminder of the decision that we were making that day, he hand every one of us a red key. And I mean, it looked like an Ace Hardware key that was just painted red. And I took that red key, I put it in my pocket, and I remember going home, putting that in a safe in my drawer where only I knew where it was. And the commitment was made that day. So fast forward, I mean, we're talking 20 years. Um, 20 years, I, I, I knew that I wanted something. And what I wanted most was to be in a relationship with someone where there was trust. I wanted to be able to look someone and say, look, I honored you. I've been thinking about this day. I wanted to be able to look her dad in the face and say, I honored your daughter. I waited. And so I encourage people not to give up what they want most for what they want in the moment. Mm -hmm. And we live in this instant gratification culture where we give in to these momentary pleasures in hopes of finding some level of gratification or fulfillment. And we end up sacrificing what we want most. And I knew what I wanted most. And that was something that I had one shot at. And so I stayed committed to that long term. I met uh, girls along the way. I dated girls in college and, and in my 20s. But I wanted to wait. And so when I actually met Kristen at 29, I felt this vulnerability that I wanted to share with her what I had done. And that moment I realized that all of my personal achievements could not compare to a commitment that I'd made as a teenage boy and so fast forward we got married at 31 and I presented the red key to her and her face was priceless mm -hmm. and I realized that the purest decisions in life are the ones that we make on behalf of other people even before we know who they are so that's a that is a like an extraordinary vision to have at 13 and then maintain that vision and it sounds like you even built on it by imagining who she would be and what it would be like and the, the moment lived up to the vision. Yeah, and, and I, I could, I, I pictured myself literally on the altar and her coming towards me. Like these people talk about vision boards and stuff. Like I could visualize that day, I could visualize that moment. And I remember dating a girl in college and she and I were not on the same page. And I remember having to end the relationship. And I remember at the end of the conversation, I just said, I'm so sorry, I'm not giving up my red key. And she kind of looked at me funny, like, what does that even mean? What's the red key about? And I said, it's just not important. But the point was the red key served as accountability to a decision. Right. And that's really what a decision is. It's, it comes from the Latin incision to cut off from, to cut off from the possibility of anything other than what you've committed right. yourself to. And I think a lot of people struggle, A, to make decisions. And then once a real decision is made, how do you stay committed long-term to something you've committed yourself to? So that was about three years ago. Kristen and I have been married. It's, been, uh, it's just been beautiful. And uh, now we're traveling a little bit, coming to places like Lanai, and um, we're just super thankful. Yeah, so you're taking this message and I'm uh, curious, how are you taking the red key message and like then integrating that into teams and business and yeah. culture? And So the subtitle of the book is Redefining Success for a Life of Significance. So if I was to put this really simply, we come from a culture of desiring success. And success to some is pursuit of pleasure and to others it's the avoidance of pain. 
But make no mistake, you just look on Instagram for a few seconds, and this is what the world says is going to make you happy. Right. And we're constantly comparing ourselves to people, and if I get this much money, or if I get this car, I get this house, or if I, if I reach this level in my company, that will make me happy. And people are reaching these pinnacles of success, and they're still finding themselves unfulfilled. So success, I would say, in the easiest definition, success is adding value to yourself. Significance is adding value to others. And if you want true happiness, true fulfillment, you've got to pursue a life of significance. And so my mission with the book is to help people understand the choices that they're making. Are you making it under the lens of your pursuit of success, or are you making it with the pursuit of significance? And I believe that when we aim for significance, we will stumble upon success. But so many people that we know are successful without being significant. Whereas you will never find anyone who is significant without being successful. Right. So you're taking this message to kids too, like high schools and... So the foundation that we've just actually filed for nonprofit status, the mission behind the Red Key Foundation is I want to go and I want to talk to teenagers. I was 13 years old when I was given a Red Key. If I could go into schools and youth groups and talk to young people about their choices... Yes, sexual purity being one of those choices, but what about all the other myriad of choices that they have to make? I want to go and impact kids and understand the longevity of their choices and how the choices that they make today will make for a better tomorrow. Like their choices about drugs? Drugs, um, the peer pressures. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm actually going to be speaking to some kids in Jacksonville. I mean, there were three suicides, high school kids committing mm -hmm. suicide. I want them to understand their value. I want them to understand how important they are. I want them to understand the, the career choices that they can pick from, um, how they can design a life that they're proud of. Um, I want them to start weighing their options so that they can start thinking about how the choices they're making today are gonna influence them five, 10, 15 years down the road. So what are some of the things that you've seen when you're engaging with successful people that's specifically missing for them so this is so coming from the book there's cuts that have to be made and so if you think about success when we pursue success we're trying to add things to our life I think significance is more about cutting out things from our life like you've got to cut out whatever is not significant to make room for what is Right? Warren Buffett talks about how he says no to 99 out of 100 opportunities. We've got to right. say no to more things. So the first cut that I talk about in the book, much like a cut in a key, is cutting the selfie. Like, I think that we live in a selfie culture. Uh, we live in a society where people think that self-care, for example, is a right. I think self-care was beautiful in how it was attended originally. Take care of myself so that I can better take care of others. But now self-care has kind of morphed into something more than that. I think it's become self-indulgence. I hit this mark, so I deserve this. And I'm seeing it with authors and speakers and thought leaders today. Do you, girl. Do whatever makes you happy. Like this, it's just morphed into this conversation where I say, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Like the whole purpose behind self-care is I need to put myself in a position to be at my best so that I can do what? Serve those around me better impact my family, better impact my business, better impact my customers, etc. And I think it's morphed from that. I think the other thing that I see is this spotlight mentality. Like, I need to be in the spotlight. And I love this quote, you'll be unusually successful if you don't care who gets the credit. 
And I want to encourage leaders that you don't need to get the credit. Do it because it's the right thing, not because of what you'll get in return. And when you start living with this mindset, with this attitude, your filter that you're looking through is one of significance to where how are the choices that I'm going to make actually impact those around me. And I think it's intentional living. It's a conscientious choice to aim for a life of significance. Another thing is, if you think about it, like most people spend the first half of their life trying to do what? Build up their career, build wealth, and then they spend maybe the second half of their life pursuing significance. And I've even heard people say it. I'm in the legacy phase of my life now. I'm in the significance phase of my life. Why do you have to be on the second half of your life to start pursuing significance? Like, why couldn't we as teenagers or 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, why couldn't we start aiming for significance? Why can't we start thinking about what that means right now? And I think it's hard because it's not sexy to talk about. I mean, it's not attractive to start thinking about it. But, like, do you want your life to matter? Like, do you want the choices that you're making to impact others? And what will, say, what will others say about you when you're gone? So these are questions that I try to ask. And really, the Red Key Revolution is you can't learn significance in a book or a course, right? You know, significance is a lifelong pursuit, but we can start to ask the critical questions so that we can start moving the conversation in the right direction. So what are some of the critical questions, like if you were to ask me? So, uh, for example, um, with your pursuits right now, like what would be your primary goals? Like why is success important to you? Um, as you start thinking about success, um, who are you helping right now that you'll never get the credit for? Mm -hmm. um, when you start thinking about your company and your organization, I mean, um, who are you serving? Um, I think another really important question to ask is, is how are you balancing life? So the three areas that we've got to consider are health, business, and, uh, and relationships. Mm -hmm. And I find that we'll get really fixated on improving in one area. Maybe it's business but we end up compromising our health or our relationships in our pursuit of business. Well, a significant life is being able to balance all three of those areas. Right. How can we better our health, business, and, and, and relationships? Um, a question that I ask uh, in, in one of the cuts is, is you gotta cut the now. So what does it mean to cut the now? Well, this is starting to look at redefining your legacy. So will the decisions you're making right now matter in five years? That's long-term thinking. And I actually look at the marshmallow experiment in that, and it's kind of fun to consider that. Maybe for some of you that don't remember the marshmallow experiment, uh, it was a 1960 study where they took these kids, they put them in a room, they watched them for 15 minutes, and if they didn't eat this marshmallow, then they were promised a second marshmallow at the end. So the researcher would come in and give them a second marshmallow. Well, half the students actually ate the marshmallow, and the other half didn't. And they followed these students for 25 years following the experiment. And the kids that didn't eat the first marshmallow, they'd waited for the second marshmallow, ended up having higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse. Uh, they ended up proving to be more successful in life. And it just goes back to being able to practice self-control, discipline, mastering patience for the promise of a bigger and better prize. But if I was to change that study, to, to start thinking about significance, here's, what I would, here's the question I would pose. If those students were told that, hey, listen, if you can wait 15 minutes and not eat the first marshmallow, our promise isn't that you'll get a second marshmallow, but we'll give you a second marshmallow that you can give to someone else. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
would the kids have enough motivation to not eat that first marshmallow? If there's no promise of personal gain, I don't know if the motivation is there. I think some yes, some no. But like that's the level of thinking that I want people to go to is my sacrifices over whatever period of time is so that others can benefit from my decisions. Yeah. And I think this is such a timely message because the way society is going, it, it is a narcissistic trend. It's self-absorbed and it's me, me, me and it's money and it's materialism and it's competition and it's winning in a game where somebody else has to lose in order for me to win. And what you're really speaking to here is contribution. Yeah. And that's just a, that's just a different playing field of success. I was just talking to a young girl. She was 22 years old. She'd moved from Florida to Denver, and she's thinking about swapping all the way to California. And her dream is to have a music career. And she's got a beautiful voice. I've heard her sing. But she's struggling because of what that industry means and how self-absorbing it is mm -hmm. and how every day she feels like she just has to wake up and better herself and get herself out there. And she feels like it's so self-absorbing that she doesn't like the person that she's becoming in the process of trying to become successful in the music industry. Right. So I told her, I said, I can't tell you what to do, but I can help maybe ask some questions to kind of get you thinking about what it is that you want most in life. And as we started to kind of ask the right questions, I shifted her thinking just a little bit of how are her choices? How is her becoming successful in the music space? How is that going to benefit other people? When you do become successful in the music space, what is your family life going to look like? Or will you not have a family life? You start thinking about what you really want most, and now you start to design your life around that. And as she started thinking about that, she said, maybe I don't want to move to Los Angeles. Maybe I've just kind of started down this path, and it just feels like I'm just kind of going the next step because it's the next step. But I think we've got to take a step back, and we've got to really reflect and ask these questions of what do I want most in life? I personally wanted to have a beautiful relationship with a wife. I want to have kids. I want to be successful in business, but I don't want it to consume my time. I don't want to be traveling half, half the month. Right. You know? So I want to be able to design a life to where I can really pour into the things that matter most. Yeah. So the, it's like an interesting question to maybe be starting to ask, whether it's kids or just ask the public at large, instead of what do you want to have? what do you want to do it's maybe if you know there's basic kind of three levels of motivation what do you want to have what do you want to do and then more importantly who do you want to be that's right but maybe we add maybe what you're doing is add a fourth question which is related to success who do you want to serve and how do you want to serve people and how does that make you feel so having things obviously makes us feel good fills kind of a hole doing things kind of fills kind of a hole being somebody that's kind of a higher level of thinking about a yeah. path to motivation you're adding a fourth question to the equation who do you want to serve and how do you want to serve people for a level of significance in your life i do kind of a cool thing in the book i talk about this difference right so if you just google the word success it's no surprise that Mark Zuckerberg and <laughs> Oprah and Warren Buffett show up in the Google search. And if you look at the definition, it's the attainment of wealth, favor, or eminence. That's the dictionary definition of, of success. Now, if we just change the word to significance, guess who shows up in the search? Now, it's 
Martin Luther King, yeah, it's Mahatma Nelson Gandhi. Mandela, it's Mother Teresa, it's Abraham Lincoln. No doubt successful people, but significant. Right. And so as I started thinking about the Rolodex of people that I know, my list is really long for successful people, but my list is really short for significant people. So which would I prefer to be? And as I started thinking about the most significant person in my life, I talk about him in the book, is my grandfather. Mm -hmm. He was a double PhD, worked very hard, uh, was the president CEO of an engineering company in Rockford. But I'll never forget at his funeral, there was over 800 people that came to his funeral. People came in from different countries, all to show respect and support. But we had an open mic and two women came up to the front. I'll never forget their faces. And one woman said, uh, you know, Harry Kahn paid for my son to go to college. And then another woman came up and said, I, I, couldn't, afford, I couldn't afford a prom dress for my daughter and Harry paid for it. And it was like person after person was coming up and we had no idea who these people were. And I realized my, my, my grandfather's in a box, he's gone, but now his legacy is living on. And I was up in Montreal actually speaking, and my last name is different than my grandfather's last name because it was on my mother's side. And I just happened to mention Harry Kahn from stage. And a gentleman happened to be in the audience, and it turned out that my grandfather had actually led him to the Lord. It was kind of a crazy wow. thing that happened 20, 30 years ago. But he came up to me and he said, now knowing that you're Harry Kahn's son, it makes sense to me. And it was probably the like, I don't know, it's probably the best compliment that I felt that I've ever received to be compared to my grandfather because I know that he wanted to be successful, but his aim with success was always, how can I make things better for others? How can I provide jobs for people? How can I take these guys out of prison and employ them and give them opportunity? How can I grow this company to make a bigger influence in the community? And then when he retired, he didn't want to stop working. He worked every day of his life. But how can I go out and reach more people? How can I serve? How can I impact? So as a 17-year-old boy sitting at that funeral, I decided that day, I said, I want to be significant. But I don't want to wait until I'm in the second half of my life to right. do that. I want to do that from an early age. And the red key was just one example of a decision made on somebody else's behalf. So if people are willing to accept the red key challenge, it's really, it's number one, it's identifying whose life do you want to impact? And then number two, what commitments can you make that will allow you to facilitate that impact? And so I ask people to get a red key and I want them to hold it in their hand and I want them to commit to that. Now, if you want to take that accountability to another level, you actually give the red key to the person that you're making the commitment to. So imagine a father making a commitment to his eight-year-old son. Son, I haven't been present as your father. I haven't been, I've been working too late. So here's my promise to you. I'm going to be home by six o'clock every night, and I promise to attend at least one of your baseball games every week. Mm -hmm. And here's my commitment to you, and you hand the red key to your son. And if you don't hold to that commitment, your son has permission to give the red key back to you. That's powerful. Now we're talking about a higher level of commitment, and yeah. we're talking about accountability. Right. Could you imagine that boy giving the red key back to his dad? Yeah, right, yeah. And so this is the sort of conversations I want people to have. I want to move in this direction, so we're starting to think about the lives that we're impacting. So you're getting rave, rave reviews when you're speaking this message to groups, business groups, salespeople, teams. What are they, what are they getting out of it? So rave reviews, that's, I know that, I've heard it. But what are you specifically hearing from people after they hear this message? So let's say business teams. Yeah. So, so I, I'm wanting these, call them entrepreneurs, call them employees, call them salespeople. 
I want them to shift their mindset from one of success to one of significance. And when I take them through this presentation, they actually realize what they want most is significance. Right. But what happens is we get in these companies and it's a sales culture and it's all about hitting the bottom line. It's about you are my producer and I want you to pr produce more so that my reports look better. And then we'll reward you with these tokens. We'll reward you with trips. We'll reward you with titles. We'll reward you with money. And, and so what happens is we get into this race of trying to elevate ourselves. And it's almost like we just get caught in this trap and this cycle of trying to promote ourselves. And I say that because I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I did this for years. I right. hit every promotion in our company. I won trips for years. But when I look back, it was like, was it really about serving others? Was it really about helping others? Or was it about me hitting my marks? Was it like I called you so that you would produce better so that my numbers look better? Or did I really just care about you being better at your job so that you could better provide for your family? And so again, I, I'm not trying to point anyone out and say that you do or don't have the right motives, but we have to ask the right questions to identify what our motives are. But here's the ticker. When we are pursuing significance, I believe that we're doing it now with the right attitude of heart. And when we do it with the right attitude of heart, you will be more successful. You will produce higher. And I think that your customers, I think your team members, the people that you're working with will be able to sniff out what it is that you want. Right. I think the best example that I talk about in the book too is True at Kathy. I just have such a respect for the way that Chick-fil-A is run. You just talk to owner operators of the of the franchise model, if you talk to people that work at the corporate staff, they always felt like Truett was more interested in them as a person than he was to the success of the company. And I've always watched how they do that. And one of the things that Truett says is he says the three most important decisions that you make in life are three. He calls them mate, mission, or I'm sorry, master, mate, and mission. And he talks about how important it is to figure out who your master is in life what your mission is, meaning your purpose, and then your mate, who you spend your life with. Now, why would the person of this big company be talking about mate, master, and mission? Well, it's because he cares about you as a person more than he cares about just your production as an employee of Chick-fil-A. And so I just see examples of that. And so I would love to see companies, businesses, shift their culture from one of success to one of significance. Right. And I want to assist them in that process. Yeah, the game changes then. You don't... You don't have contests where you have winners and losers. You have fewer contests, right. maybe no contests. Maybe you don't talk about what your sales were last month or this year. And maybe you don't talk about who the top distributors are. Maybe you talk about who the top donators are or the, you know, the top, you know, service people yeah, and the are. the impact that you're making and how many lives are changing. And if you're in a weight loss company, how much weight has been right. lost as a result of your efforts? How many families have been fed as a result of your efforts? Mm -hmm. I'm all for production too. Like how many families are no longer in debt as a result of your business right. opportunity? Like these are things to celebrate. And I want to see people chasing after more success. Success isn't a bad thing, but we have to look at our attitude of heart. Why are we doing what we're doing? That's mm. the important question to ask. So how is this? Um, so you're a very successful network marketer yep. for a decade tens of thousands of people on your team, number one new business development guy in the, in the country, highly competitive, yes. highly competitive athlete. So you've been doing, you've been being this philosophy for, well, since you were 13 in a way, but somehow parallel paths. So somehow they intersected. <clears throat> when did they intersect? 
and how has your life changed since you've like moved to a different plane? Yeah. I think I was fortunate in that I had people like my grandfather as people to look up to. I would encourage everybody watching to find mentors, find people that you aspire to be like. If you're in a company, find somebody that is doing what you're, you're doing, you want to do. Like I had that growing up. And so I had these great influences. So fast forward, I started as an entrepreneur at 22. I mean, I'd been making this long-term commitment with the red key and it was like, I knew what that meant and I'd gotten that far. I was certainly wasn't going to give up. Right. <clears throat> so I think that when I then started my business, it was like I was already accustomed to long-term thinking. I don't want to give away too much of the book, but like there were three resounding themes in my life that have just kind of, they've, they've cycled. Faith, sacrifice, and triumph. And I, I talk about those three terms kind of subliminally in the mm -hmm. book. But like when you believe in something, then you will sacrifice whatever is necessary to achieve it. And when you stay through and you sacrifice, you will triumph. Right. That's that pattern. And so I saw that in sports. I saw that in academics. And I've seen that in my business career. It took years for my business to really develop. Even these other projects that I've worked on, it's taken years. I've worked three years for free on a project. Who does that? Right. It took <clears throat> me two and a half years to write a good book. Mm -hmm. So I, I want people to know that anything worthwhile, as Maxwell says, is uphill. It's going to be a fight. It's going to take time. So you've got to have that mindset that it's going to take time. And you've got to be willing to fight for it. You can't be a marshmallow eater. No. <laughs> That's what I tell people. You're either a marshmallow eater or you're a marshmallow saver. And which one you want to be. So what's the, what's the midterm future? What's the plan for the next three or four years? Yeah. Where can we see Jordan Kemper contributing? Yeah, so I am working really hard on some various projects. Uh, my network marketing career is, is, is still good. I've got a great team, great customer base, and I'm thankful for that space. I'm now consulting for a couple of different companies. And I want to be successful as an entrepreneur because I want to continue to provide above and beyond what my family needs. I want to make an impact on others. If I can do that, then I'll be able to spend more of my time on the nonprofit side, mm -hmm. going out and speaking and sharing the message of the Red Key and working with youth. And so I'm really trying to get us to a position to where we can spend more of our time doing that. But speaking to businesses, speaking to churches, speaking to schools, those are all things that we're trying to do because I want to get an inspirational message out there of helping people identify what they want most in life and how they can have it. Well, you're doing a powerful job of it. Congratulations. No, thank you so much. It's an honor to call you a friend. An honor to have you here visiting us in Lanai. And the website, jordankemper.com. That's pretty simple. K-E-M-P-E-R, jordankemper.com. Amazon, like... If you bought a book from Amazon, review it. Even if you only give him one star, review it. <laughs> Put a review on Amazon if you buy it from Amazon. I went and looked. It's like 4.999 stars. Yep. Congratulations. So that means people are getting it. People are being moved by this book. Get it from his website. Get it from Amazon. If you need a speaker for an event, this is going to be a different subject, folks. This is a higher level subject. This is pure inspiration. This is not the same old cookie cutter, see it at the top kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff that really moves people and changes them permanently. This man is a contribution to, to our society and this is the future. And God knows our country needs future, yeah. right? Needs men like you. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate that Thanks so for being much. here. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.